We're all going to die, according to the libs. Your children are going to die from the Wu flu if they don't take the Fauci ouchie. Women are going to die from back alley abortions if the Supreme Court overrules Roe versus Wade. And black people and homosexuals are definitely going to die in vicious hate crimes every time they leave their homes if people draw the wrong conclusions from the Jesse Smollett hoax. All of those fears are bogus, but the libs are right about one thing. We are all going to die at some point. We've been dying since the day we were born. And a lot of our present dysfunction comes from our refusal to admit it. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. My favorite comment from Friday is from Sharon Bizriguez, who says, it's okay. Everyone makes mistakes, Jesse. Don't beat yourself up. You know, the one that was going around, everyone was was tweeting out like, hey, I'm so glad Jesse Smollett's attacker was finally brought to justice. You know, I saw like 500 versions of that on the timeline, but I, that version I like better. Don't beat yourself up, Jesse. Jesse, Juicy, I don't know. We'll get to it. You know, when you want to protect what you're looking for online, like if you're looking to buy all sorts of things to stage one of the greatest hoaxes in the last several years in America, or if you're looking up good stuff, or if you're looking up just good, true, and beautiful stuff that you don't want the big tech people to find out about, you got to check out ExpressVPN. Do you know that your internet service provider knows every single website that you visit? Every single way. And if you're listening to this show, you might go to some websites you don't want other people to know about. You know, you close the blinds, you turn on the incognito window, and you go to websites like dailywire.com, you know, politically incorrect ones that could get you canceled from your job. So don't let your ISP do this. Don't let them sell this information to ad companies and tech giants who will use your data to target you. Check out ExpressVPN. They put a stop to this. They create a secure encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet so that your online activity can't be seen by anyone. I love ExpressVPN. I use it on all my devices. It's super easy. It's just one button. You install it. You use it on your laptop, you use it on your cell phone. It's so easy, especially if you're traveling. I know people travel a lot around Christmas time. If you're in an airport on public Wi-Fi in a cafe, don't open yourself up to this, folks. If you're like me and you think your online activity ought to be your business, secure yourself by visiting expressvpn.com slash Michael today, M-I-C-H-A-E-L. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash Michael, M-I-C-H-A-E-L, you get an extra three months for free, expressvpn.com slash Michael. The children. The children. You monsters are not thinking of the children. So says Dr. Fauci. If your child is five years of age and older, please get them vaccinated. We need to protect the children. This idea that children are not vulnerable at all is not so, George. I mean, certainly statistically, children do not get as severe disease as the adults, particularly the elderly. But if you look at the number of cases of children, now well over 2 million children from 5 to 11 have been infected. There have been over 8,000 to 9,000 hospitalizations and well over 100 deaths. The children, the children, won't somebody please think of the children. Now, Dr. Fauci admits here, you've got, when you listen to Dr. Fauci, you've got to pay very close attention to the words he uses. He admits that children have an infinitesimally small chance of dying from the coronavirus. Thank God, that's so wonderful. The infection fatality rate 
for children from the coronavirus is around 0.003% at the high end. It can be as low as 0.001%, depending on exactly what criteria you're looking at. When you take out children with comorbidities, children who are very unhealthy, who have other diseases, who are extremely overweight, when you take that out, the infection fatality rate drops significantly lower, infinitesimally small. So children are not really at that kind of risk. And Dr. Fauci admits as much, but he says, regardless, you got to get your children, your children need to get the Fauci ouchie or else you're a bad parent. And he's, he knows that what do parents care most about in the world? It's their children. And so he's going to manipulate them and he's going to become a, he already is a demagogue on this issue, but he's going to push his demagoguery even further. And he's going to completely misrepresent the data. Sure, children don't get as severely uh, infected, but to say that they have no uh, side effects or consequences from the virus whatsoever, that is false. Well, no one's saying that children, no one's saying children aren't going to get a little bit sick. But getting a little bit sick is not the reason to force an experimental drug into everybody's arm and to shut down the entire world for two years. Right? You need to have some prudence here and the, and the data, which Fauci is even out of... In between the words, in between the lines, he's kind of admitting the data don't back up his fear mongering. So the children, I think they're going to be okay. Generally speaking, I think they're going to be okay for now. How about the women? Kamala Harris is very worried about the women. She says that if Roe versus Wade is overruled, then the women are going to die. In the San Francisco Chronicle, she says, quote, I don't mean to sound alarmist. I mean this. Women will die. I'm very concerned about it. Women will die, in particular women who don't have economic resources and can't travel to places or somehow have access to safe reproductive health care, including abortion. And it is not an extreme statement. It is a fact. So especially poor women, if we let poor women have their babies and we don't have a society in which poor women are encouraged to kill their babies, then those poor women might face some consequences if they go get an illegal abortion. She's not even saying poor, poor women are going to die or any women are going to die from having a baby. She's saying that they're going to die from trying to get illegal abortions. But even that is not true. Even that number is not true. We've mentioned it on the show before, but there is a lie being pushed by the left that thousands of women were dying every year before Roe v. Wade from back alley abortions. And it's not true. The person who invented that bogus statistic is Dr. Bernard Nathanson. He was a pro-abortion, one of the co-founders of the pro-abortion league. He then became a pro-lifer and admitted it was completely made up. And when you look at the data from the federal government of the women who died each year from the illegal abortions, it was less than 40. It was in the 30s. Then when you look at the women who died from legal abortions, it was in the 20s. It was less, less than 30, but it was pretty similar. When you look at the number of states where abortion was legal and illegal, your chances of dying from either were basically the same. And they were extremely, talk about infinitesimally small. So it's just bogus. By the way, that was in 1972. How much more advanced ha has medical technology gotten to save women's lives if they have some kind of complication from whatever illegal activity they're doing? So it's just, just bogus. It is completely made up. It is an outright lie that is still shamelessly peddled, been debunked a zillion times. And certainly what's her, uh, Kamala Harris has no, no shame about lying. She is, she is a very, very cynical politician, but I think the women are going to be okay. So now what about, what about, we've taken care of the children. We've taken care of the women. What about the black people and the homosexuals? Because we are told, we're told by LeBron James, every time a black man walks out his front door, 
He's being hunted down by racist whites. Or in the case of Justice Smollett, racist Nigerians. Racist, homophobic, gay Nigerians. <laughs> that, that's who is hunting down black, homosexual people. Justice Smollett was convicted. We didn't get to it on Friday's show, but he was convicted just at the very tail end of last week on five class four felonies for lying to police about a hate crime that he staged himself when he was walking around Chicago and allegedly two white guys in MAGA hats came up to him with a noose and said, this is MAGA country. And Jesse Smollett managed to hold on to his Subway salad, I believe. It wasn't even a Subway sandwich. The story gets less and less believable all the time. And then he survived this attack, which turns out had been perpetrated by two Nigerian boyfriends of his. And that all, that all came out. Good news on the conviction. There is still some justice left in America. If Jesse Smollett managed to get off the hook for staging this ridiculous hate crime, as opposed to a love crime, if he had gotten off the hook for this, you'd just think that truth doesn't matter anymore. We're completely through the looking glass, but at least the truth still matters a little bit. Now, not to drag up ancient history, but all the prominent libs got this completely wrong. Kamala Harris said, quote, this is in 2019 when Jesse Smollett perpetrated it. Jesse Smollett's one of the kindest, most gentle human beings I know. I'm praying for his quick recovery. This was an attempted modern day lynching. No one should have to fear for their life because of their sex or, or color of their skin. We must confront this hate. Pete Buttigieg, while the struggle for basic hate crime legislation continues here in Indiana, this horrible attack calls all Americans to stand against hatred and violence in all forms. Bernie Sanders, the racist and homophobic attack on Jesse Smollett is a horrific instance of the surging hostility toward minorities around this country. Apparently it's hostility from other minorities though, and sometimes from the, the people themselves who are allegedly having the attacks perpetrated against them. We must come together to eradicate all forms of bigotry and violence, which will never happen, by the way, because it's a fallen world and we don't live in the utopia of Bernie's fevered imagination. Nancy Pelosi, the racist homophobic attack on Jesse Smollett is an affront to our humanity. No one should be attacked for who they are or whom they love. Again, they weren't. It was just completely made up. It was the, the only guy that was attacked is the guy who is and who loves in a way that is apparently under a great right attack. I pray that Jesse has a speedy recovery and that justice is served. It was. <laughs> May we all commit to ending this hate once and for all. Kirsten Gillibrand, Ariana Grande, on and on and on and on and on and on. And they were all wrong. They were all completely wrong. And no one, to my knowledge, has acknowledged this or apologized. And they won't have to. It'll just go away. A lot of them haven't even deleted the tweets. And then I, over the past few days, have just been retweeting these people. <laughs> Because, you know, they were relatively small to it. So I just bring it back up and see, no shame. It doesn't matter. They almost certainly won't be held to account. The White House was asked about this. And Jen Psaki says, people, people are learning. Everyone is learning their lessons from the Smollett incident. Since the guilty verdict, are there any lessons learned here on uh, rushing to judgment when a crime is alleged? I think uh, there, are, there are lessons learned perhaps for everybody who commented uh, at the time, including former President Trump. I wish April Ryan was here because I think she asked him the question. I, do I see her somewhere or no? Okay. She just left where he said, I can tell you that it's horrible. It's, it's 
doesn't get worse uh, in response to her question about the tri about the uh, about Jesse Smollett at the time. Uh, I would say that we respect the jury's uh, decision. Lying to the police, particularly about something as heinous as a hate crime, is shameful. Uh, instances of that need to be investigated fully, and those found guilty need to be punished. And false accusations divert valuable police resources away from important investigations. They make it harder for real victims to come forward and be believed. You know, if you look back at the time, it's also true and important to note that accusations of hate crimes should be taken seriously, and they need to be fully investigated. Lessons are being learned by everyone. There are a lot of lessons to go around, except no one is learning anything. Now, one thing that you should learn is how to get a better rate on your mortgage, which is why you should check out American Financing. Mortgage rates continue to remain incredibly low for the moment. Will they stay at this level in the new year? I don't know. You can't be sure, which is why you need to call American Financing. Lock into a low rate now and potentially save yourself up to $1,000 a month. $1,000 per month, potentially. You can even skip your January mortgage payment and possibly February creating greater savings as we begin a new year. Think of how much that can help and then give American Financing a call. There is no pressure, no obligation, no upfront or hidden fees, just a simple conversation around ways that you can save without restarting your loan. That's right. You can choose any term 10 years and over. So you're not wasting money on years you don't need. Get a free mortgage review today when you call 800-685-5696. That number is 800-685-5696. Or if you're more digitally inclined, go to AmericanFinancing.net, NMLS 182-334, NMLSConsumerAccess.org. Jen Psaki says, look, there are lessons lessons for everybody to, to learn from the Jesse Smollett hoax. There aren't. There aren't. She cites Donald Trump because Donald Trump just made some vague political comment about how, oh yes, it sounds bad or whatever. But For those of us who knew from the very beginning that this was obviously bogus, we're not going to learn a lesson because there's no lesson to learn because we were right and these other people were wrong. For the people who were wrong about this, they're not going to learn any lesson. They're going to continue in their false narrative. How did some of us know from the moment that Jesse Smollett alleged that it was MAGA country in the south side of Chicago or wherever he was, that this was a fake attack? We knew it because that sort of thing just doesn't really happen. It happens in the fevered imagination of leftists who think that the Ku Klux Klan is around every corner. It happens in the fevered imagination of LeBron James, who, when he leaves his you know, golden palace, thinks that there are Klansmen everywhere trying to lynch him. But in reality, those of us whose view of the world is a little closer to reality, we know that that just, just doesn't happen, actually. So that's how, and the leftists who believe that the Klan is running around everywhere trying to lynch all the black people, they're, they're not changing their view. Actually, they're doubling down. They're saying that even though this was a hoax, don't let it distract from the greater truth that black men and homosexuals are constantly oppressed by straight white men who are per- Trump supporters who are perpetrating these sorts of attacks. To tune in for this false but somewhat prevalent view you have to look at those cackling hens on The View, notably the fake Republican on The View, Anna Navarro. 
when it first happened, I think it was unimaginable to anybody that, uh, that it could be a hoax. Um, and frankly, uh, you know, I think that for a lot of us, it read believable that there could be hate crimes because there are hate crimes against minorities and against LGBTQ. And it's not, you know, Kamala Harris's fault or Joe Biden's fault or Cory Booker's fault or anybody's fault that their natural reaction was to empathize with somebody who we all at first thought was a victim it's of a Twitter's hate crime. It's Twitter's fault anyway. Yeah. Can, we focus on the, can we focus on the guilty Funny. parties? Yeah. No, it's not our fault. Like, I know that we were totally wrong. And the, the reality was totally different, but it's not our fault that we believed this obviously delusional. It was at the time it was unimaginable it, that it was a hoax. Well, then how come many of us said it was a hoax from the very beginning? It, because it was unimaginable. No, it was eminently imagine, uh, imaginable and it was probable. And it was almost certain that it was a hoax from the beginning because none of the facts added up when you considered reality. The, the elements of the story only added up in a leftist fantasy. Even the fact that the two Nigerian guys who we were told were white Trump supporters yelled out, hey, yo, empire, because they recognized this minor actor from a show that I had never heard of until the Jesse Smollett fake attack. How in your own head do you have to be? How extraordinarily narcissistic do you have to be to believe that, to believe anything about this story, that, that white conservative Trump supporters walking around Chicago even know who Jesse Smollett is. I'd never heard of this dude until he perpetrated this hoax. And it's not our fault that we got it wrong. It is your fault. It's, it is your fault that you believe and peddle a false view of the world. That is, you, you bear responsibility for that. You have a responsibility to perceive the world in a way that is basically correct. And if you're getting things that are wrong, you need to be held accountable for that. And you need to discipline yourself to get rid of that kind of fantasy and to learn things. You have a responsibility to learn things. You have a responsibility to the truth, Anna Navarro. And what she is saying here and what all of the other hens are agreeing with and nodding their heads is that, no, we shouldn't learn a damn thing from this. Oh yeah, you're so right, Anna Navarro. You're so, so right. Speaking of make-believe stuff, every month or so, there is some new headline that they want to change James Bond. James Bond is a British dude, and they're always trying to change that. And so they're going to make him some other ethnicity, which I guess is it's certainly more plausible than the other option, which is they want to make him another sex so James Bond is going to become Jane Bond or something like that. And it, it always pops up on Twitter and then it kind of disappears or it comes up in the news and then it doesn't really happen. But the producer of James Bond, Barbara Broccoli, has now finally opened the door to one of these possibilities. She says, no, James Bond is not going to be a woman, but he might not always be a man. Now, I'm, I'm no biologist, but I don't I don't understand what, so here's what she says. I think we should be making more films about women. This is the answer. Will James Bond ever be a woman? I think we should be making more films about women. I think Bond will be a man. Non-binary perhaps one day? Maybe. Who knows? I mean, I think it's open. We just have to find the right actor. Now, I can't tell here if Barbara Broccoli is being facetious if she is peppered by this insane suggestion so often that James Bond should be a woman, that she says, no, 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 not a woman. He's probably a man. Now, non-binary, is that a joke? Is that taking it into an even more extreme 
area or is it not? Is she saying, as I think many people in the culture are saying, that no, he can't be a woman because that would, that would be so ludicrous. But what if men and women stop being like men and like women? And what if we, what if we pretend that there's really not much of a difference between men and women? And what if we pretend even more absurdly that someone can be neither a man or, or a woman, but something, some combination or neither or both? What about that? James Bond will not be non-binary. He won't be non-binary because non-binary does not exist. I'm not saying that there aren't people who mistakenly believe that they are any of these crazy categories, but the category itself does not exist. It is not real. It, like the hate crime against Jesse Smollett, is a figment of fevered imaginations. So James Bond will never be that. Furthermore, James Bond will never be one of these kooky gender things because if the character known as James Bond is one of those kooky gender things, he will cease to be James Bond because James Bond is a dude with a funny accent who has a license to kill and drinks martinis shaken, not stirred. That is who the character is. You can't go into the movie and replace James Bond with Luke Skywalker and say that Luke Skywalker is now James Bond. They're just different characters. They have characteristics. It's not possible. Even this line here, this first one, this very politically correct line, look, I think we should, we should be making more films about women. But I don't think that we should take the male movies and the male characters and just pretend that they're women and have the women pretend to be men. Why do we need to make more films about women? Why? Why is that something we really need to do? Is anyone asking for that? Seriously, I know that people are saying that to, to sound politically correct and very socially acceptable, but does anyone really want that? I don't think so, because whenever those movies come out, with some exceptions, they bomb at the box office. Certainly when you take a property that I guess is not necessarily gendered, you know, like uh, Ocean's Eleven, I mean, I think, I guess, really, I think ultimately that is a man's movie or a Ghostbusters or something, and then they make it with women and the movies are terrible. Or you make some, you know, Captain, Captain Marvel, right? That was the one with the woman. I've only seen a handful of these Marvel movies, but the movie was horrible. And so you might say, well, even the superheroes are generally men. Okay, well, so this distinction is a little bit blurry, but all I know is this. Whenever you make a movie specifically to make more women movies, the movies bomb and they're terrible. There are plenty of wonderful women characters throughout all of literature and film and theater, but they're not the characters that you just shoehorn into there and, and really try to make a, a point. I don't, I think we probably have, during the golden age of cinema, we probably had the exact right number of women movies or women characters or whatever. I think we had the, ex- I think when movies were good, that was the right amount. And now that movies are terrible, we have some wrong amount. And you're not going to correct that by being even more politically correct. But the, the destruction of Western art is, is way worse than just trying to make James Bond have purple hair and a nose ring, you know, and <laughs> wear androgynous clothing. It's a lot worse than that. One of the greatest works of Western art ever in the entire history of our civilization is on the verge of being completely destroyed or almost completely destroyed by politically correct people in France who want to wreck Notre Dame. 
When you want to go to France, that takes a lot of jet fuel and it takes a lot of gasoline to get to the airport, which is why you're going to want to save a little bit of money on that. You're going to want to, going to, want to get, get upside. Around this time of year, life gets a little more expensive. You're buying food for holiday dinners. You're buying Christmas presents. You're buying travel to go see people. Now, that's especially bad when inflation is 6.8%. And that's especially bad when gas is getting hit just about as high as anybody else. You're looking at at $7 per gallon in California. Well, maybe you should check out GetUpside. My listeners are making up to 25 cents for every gallon of gas every time they fill up. How do you do it? You download the free GetUpside app in the App Store or Google Play right now. If you use promo code Knowles, you'll get a bonus 25 cents per gallon on your first fill up, which means up to 50 cents cash back. That's using GetUpside. You download the app for free. Use promo code Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S. You get up to 50 cents per gallon cash back on your first tank. People who drive a lot are making as much as two to 300 bucks per month in cash back. There's no catch. The cash gets added right to your bank account, or you can use PayPal or get an e-gift card for Amazon or other brands. Go get the free GetUpside app. Use promo code Knowles. Get 50 cents per gallon cash back on your first tank. Code Knowles. Also, be, uh, be sure to head on over to Daily Wire right now. We have a goal of reaching 1 million signatures on our Do Not Comply petition, which would provide a major boost to our legal challenge because we are suing the Biden administration. We have over 800,000 signatures so far. That's a lot of signatures. Uh, we need your help to cross the finish line. Please, right now, sign the petition at dailywire.com slash do not comply and then share the petition with all of your friends and family. Send a message to the Biden administration. We will be right back with a lot more. France's National Heritage and Architecture Commission voted on Thursday to approve restoration plans, restoration, quote unquote, that will turn Notre Dame into a sort of woke Disney world. So the first thing to establish here is that while there is some participation here from the Catholic Church, this was not a decision by the Catholic Church. This was a decision by the state of France, because at the time of the French Revolution, the French state stole Notre Dame from the Catholic Church. And they have destroyed parts of Notre Dame before the French revolutionaries tried to take out all the Catholic aspects of Notre Dame and turn it into a temple of reason. You had goddess reason enshrined at the temple of Notre Dame. So the French have been after this for a long time. And unfortunately, it was able to be restored in a more Catholic way. But this is coming from the state of France. Now, the plans are being overseen by a priest, Father Giles, Gildran, I don't know. And the plans include removing confessionals, you know, where you go in and you confess to the priest, removing altars from the 13th century cathedral, removing classical artwork, removing the classical and religious sculpture, and replacing it with modern street art. You know, graffiti and absurdism and that kind of stuff. The uh, confessionals and other areas will be replaced by, quote, emotional spaces. There will be new light displays, new kind of techno light displays. There will be new sound effects. They're going to add sound effects to the 13th century church. And they're going to make these spaces, which are now not Christian. They're just, they're kind of, they're emotional. They're, 
There's an environmentalist. They want to turn one of the chapels into an environmentalist chapel. They're going to make this more welcoming, quote unquote, for people who are, quote, not always from a Christian culture. It's going to be more welcoming. I think that Christianity is pretty welcoming. You know, I think Christianity offers the hope of salvation to every man, woman, and child on earth, regardless of your race, regardless of your class or your wealth, regardless of your geography. I think Christianity is the most welcoming religion in the history of the world, and it also has the benefit of being the true religion. (laughs) It also has the benefit of having a connection to reality, and I know many listeners to this program are agnostic or atheist or maybe come from other faiths, and I don't mean to be insulting or denigrate anyone at all. But if you have religious views and if you take religion seriously, then you know that the claims made by religion must be truth claims. It can't merely be some kind of subjectivist, you do you and I'll do me. If you really believe, then you believe because you think that your religion is true. And one of the wonderful aspects of Christianity, which I believe is true, is that it it is extremely welcoming. To everybody. You have, everybody has the hope of salvation. Nobody has the hope of salvation in this insane, secular, leftist religion that they are trying to enshrine at Notre Dame. No one has the hope of salvation. It's this weird melange of paganism and atheism and materialism. The paganism being the environmentalist chapel, so that we can all worship Mother Gaia or something like that. The sentimentalism being this, the emotional spaces where we don't put up our sorrows and the sufferings of this world that are inevitable in in this world, in in our fallen world. We don't just send them up to God and, and pray for relief and have our suffering be sanctifying, but we just kind of try to feel a little bit nicer or something. The emotional spaces or the lighting effects that are just kind of welcoming, that, that really don't give us hope of anything because we just think we're all just sort of meat puppets, you know, and all we exist to do is get some pleasure and be entertained like clapping seals. I'm mixing metaphors, but you get the point. This cathedral can never be a cathedral to everything. It can never be a neutral cathedral. It can never be a non-binary cathedral. <laughs> it will ne- and it can never be a cathedral to everything. It's going to have to be a cathedral to something. Traditionally, as it was built, one of the greatest works in history, it was a cathedral. It was inspired by and it was conducive to the Christian faith. Every time that the cathedral has has been tried to be made into something else, it has been made much worse and uglier and harsher for people. And the religion of leftism is really, really ugly. And it's not going to be welcoming to anybody. So much for the inclusive left. It's not, good. <laughs> it's not going to be welcoming to everybody. It's going to try to dim, ultimately unsuccessfully, but it can cause a lot of pain in the short term. It's going to try to dim the greatest and only hope of mankind. Speaking of religion, Travis Scott, he is that, what is he, a rapper or a singer or something? I don't know. I, again, I had never heard of him until There was a a real attack at his concert at Astroworld where people were killed. It was overcrowded. There was all this creepy satanic imagery everywhere, including the entrance to the concert and some of the mottos and slogans from the concert. A lot of the imagery was satanic. And then people died and it was really, really ugly. Uh, Travis Scott now is facing a lot of lawsuits about this. And so he's saying, no, it wasn't intentionally satanic. Uh, All that imagery, no, don't. It's not what you think it is. I am a man of God. 
I am a man of God, he says. I don't know if Travis Scott is a man of God. Maybe he is, maybe he isn't. Isn't really for me to know that sort of thing. I'm a little skeptical of it, given all the satanic imagery. Maybe he's just saying I'm a man of God to cover his derriere because he's about to be ruined with all of these lawsuits. But the, the only reason I mention this story, I don't have very much to say about the story of Astral World and the lawsuits. The only reason I mention it with regard to the Notre Dame thing is, the, I don't even want to call it a renovation or a rest. It's just a, it's a thing. It's a degradation is what it is. Is that Travis Scott is either a man of God or a man of the devil. Okay. It is binary. You can't be non-binary when it comes to religion. You're, you're, you're with God or against God. That, that's in the Bible. That's where George Bush got that line from his war on terror speeches where he said, you're either with us or against us. Well, it's from the Bible and it happens to be true. You're either with God or you're against God. And you, you, you can't really just be neutral. I know that we live in this time where we think everything can be neutral and it comes from a, a perverted view of liberalism that was really popular in the 20th century, that you can just be neutral on, we can have neutral public schools, we're going to have neutral public squares, and everything's going to be totally neutral news media, but you can't. You're going to have to have premises. You're going to have to believe something. And it's in, and the neutrality is an illusion. So pick one or the other. I certainly, certainly think it's wiser to bet on God. I would not, I would not throw in your lot with the devil. Speaking of entertainment, something really terrible and devilish going on. They're trying to count, uh, cancel the, the sweet baby or the sweet daddy, who is the leader of the sweet baby gang. I'm talking about my colleague, Matt Walsh. Matt Walsh is, or was the number one best-selling children's author in the country, as well as the number one best-selling LGBTQ author in the country. He's a gay icon, Matt Walsh. And now they're trying to cancel him. Target's website is no longer hosting the Johnny the Walrus children's book. Amazon has removed the book from the top spot on the LGBTQ plus category. I don't think it's because the book stopped selling. I think it's because they didn't, they didn't want to keep hearing all the gripes from leftists. And they might take the book down from Amazon. And I know a lot of people think, oh, the best thing that could happen to Walsh is to get canceled. Because then it'll get a lot of attention. It'll sell more books. In the case of this book, I'm not sure that's exactly true because I don't know really where people can buy it. But further, even if it is true, sometimes if you get canceled, this happened to my friend Ryan Anderson, Ryan T. Anderson at the Ethics and Public Policy Center. He has this book, When Harry Became Sally. It's one of the best titled books, especially on transgenderism or really any book ever. And so the book got canceled from Amazon and his sales spiked through the roof. And this would happen every, every so often. Okay, sure. That works for a short time. But in the long run, the vast majority of books sold are sold on Amazon. If you're not on Amazon, you're not selling books. In the long run, this actually can hurt Walsh and conservatives. So it's why once, you know, little publicity stunts or something wear off, conservatives do need a separate infrastructure. It's not enough to just keep, you can sell through these guys. I think it's perfectly right to sell through the means that you can now, but you do need a separate infrastructure and complaining and whining about how Amazon is in a neutral space isn't going to get you anywhere. One, because Amazon doesn't care and the libs don't care. And two, because there's no such thing as a neutral space because everybody got to serve somebody 
All right. Everyone's going to have certain beliefs and certain things are always going to be excluded from the public square and acceptable discourse. This is the point of my book, Speechless, Controlling Words, Controlling Minds, available now, a number one national bestselling book, thanks to you, and a great Christmas present. So I'm just, just going to mention that Reasons to Vote for Democrats, my magnum opus without any words, is also a great Christmas present. And you can still get those, I think, at most places where you buy books. But, but the point is, the conservatives get this free speech issue wrong a lot, okay? And so it... I think the left misunderstands reality in much more prevalent and much more serious and, uh, ways than the conservatives misunderstand reality. But we misunderstand reality sometimes too, and it's not going to help us to pretend the world is different than it is. Speaking of sex, Chuck Schumer. Chuck Schumer uh, is very insistent right now that on the Build Back Better agenda, the Democrats stick by one plank above all, and that would be paid family leave. I got in trouble a month or two ago because I mocked Pete Buttigieg for going on paternity leave. One, I think it's very silly for any cabinet secretary to take two months off of work. Uh, two, I think paternity leave in general is pretty silly uh, because I think men and women are different and mothers have a much more serious role especially with really little babies than fathers do. Uh, and I got, I got a lot of flack for this, including from some conservatives. Because here's what the conservatives say. They say, Michael, you claim to be pro-family. So you should support these pro-family policies. Michael, you claim to be pro-family. But what are you, you're just shilling for corporations who just want to make you work more. And you're, just, you're focusing on all the same old dumb talking points of the past 20 years. But we need to, if the right is going to have a future, we need to become very pro-family. We need to be able to use the government to encourage families. I agree with that point. I agree. I don't, I have no problem wielding government power to encourage families. But I don't think that's what the libs are doing here. I don't think that's what Chuck Schumer is doing. You're telling me that Chuck Schumer and the libs, who have spent the past several decades, the libs broadly have spent the last half century doing their best at every step of the way to destroy the American family. You're telling me that now all of a sudden they're trying to help the American family and we should believe them and go along with their policy? Are you insane? Are you Charlie Brown with the football? Are you going to go buy a bridge in Brooklyn? That's not what's going on here. They're calling it paid family leave. They're calling it a, a family policy. But they're the libs. They use political correctness and distort language to mean it's opposite all the time. And what these policies are doing and what they will do is not strengthen the family, but weaken them even further. There are plenty of ways to help the American family. Here are some good ways that the government can intervene to help the American family. Drastically reduce immigration. Illegal, certainly. And legal immigration, too. This will hurt the Chamber of Commerce, it'll hurt woke corporations, but it will help the American worker because his wages will rise because the American worker won't be competing with an endless flow of low-skilled labor. Good stuff. That'll help you take care of your family. That might help you too. I know this is going to be really controversial. Only need one parent to go out and work and maybe the other parent can stay home and raise the kids. We're not allowed to say that anymore. And the corporate establishment which is generally liberal, but it's backed up by a lot of Republicans. They don't necessarily want you to do that. They think that boosting GDP a little bit further is the most important thing in America. And both parents need to work all the time and you just got to ship your kid off to daycare. And by the way, if you, if you are putting your kid into a, a more economically quantifiable sort of daycare system, then you are going to see GDP increase and you are going to see the economy is going to look more robust. 
But I don't think that's good for families. I think it's much better for families if families have the opportunity for one parent to stay home and actually raise the kids. That would be one way that we could encourage it. What about the, the declining birth rate? In America, the birth rate has been declining for an extraordinarily long time. And in recent years, it's been clobbered even more. I don't even mind having the government go in and pay families to have kids. That's what they've done in Hungary. It's actually worked out very well. It, it reversed their birth rate problem. So don't tell me it doesn't work. It actually can work. I'm not even opposed to that. You'd need, obviously, safeguards so that it doesn't get abused. But I think that's a fine idea, too. What I am not for is the libs idea of taking sex out of motherhood and fatherhood. What I am not for is for uh, creating these sort of government uh, mandates to give you more goodies without necessarily having that affect the, the way that American families are growing. What I am not for is pretending that men are women and women are men. What I'm not for is redefining marriage away from what it has always meant to some new idea. What I, what I am not for is depriving a child of a mother and a father. I'm not for that. And that's what the libs are after. And it's why the conservatives need to be wise about this. Be wise as a serpent and innocent as a dove. Speaking of illegal aliens, Governor Ron DeSantis is wielding the power of the state to boot to actively boot illegal aliens out of Florida. In yesterday's budget, I put in $8 million uh, for us to be able to transport people illegally out of the state of Florida. Now, we had mentioned, and I said, you know, it's somewhat tongue-in-cheek, but it is true. If you sent to Delaware or Martha's Vineyard or some of these places, that border would be secure the next day. That border would be secure. Uh, but instead, they're, they're imposing the results of their policies um, on states like Florida, who they love to hate or whatever. Uh, so, but we are going to provide that uh, opportunity. And I think that that could potentially make a, a difference. Love it. This is awesome. The libs and the squishes are going to decry this. And they're going to say, this is terrible. You have no right, governor, to ship people from Florida to the other states. No, you can't just do that. First of all, this kind of a policy has a long tradition in American politics, it was always rumored that Giuliani would do this to the homeless people. He'd give them one-way bus tickets and say, get out of the city. <laughs> and Giuliani had other policies too, and it did clean up the homeless problem. And so what's happening in Florida is Florida is a very attractive state. It's not so far from the southern border, and it's got really great government, and it's good to thrive there, and it's beautiful, and you can, you can have a really good life. It's really attractive. And so people who are violating our nation's most basic laws at the encouragement of people like Joe Biden and the Democrats are going to places like Florida, which have Republican governors who are saying, we don't want this to be happening. And if, if I were running the show, and I'm sure Governor DeSantis thinks a lot about what would happen if he were in the White House, you know, we, we wouldn't have this and we'd crack down more on the border. So what DeSantis is saying here is, no, enough is enough. This isn't my problem. You libs want it? Fine. Take them. Here you go. Here, how is this policy going to look in practice? I don't know. But if if the policy were buy an airplane ticket for illegal aliens and say, go to Illinois, go to California, go to New York, go to, go to I don't know, any, anywhere that's a really hardcore blue state, I would support that policy. And then you guys deal with it. You want to deal with it, then you deal with it. We're not going to do it here in Florida. I think that would be a good use of the state. People are, are suggesting this is lawless. This is way less lawless than amnesty 
and open borders and the programs that the libs and the squishes who are going to clutch their pearls about this are, are pushing. Good on him. We should see this in every conservative state in America. Ship them all to the lib blue states and let them deal with the consequences of their policy. Speaking of leaving places, Chris Wallace is leaving Fox News Channel. Chris Wallace has been at Fox News Channel a long time. He's hosted Fox News Sunday, and he just announced in what seemed like a surprise announcement that he is leaving Fox News Sunday effective immediately. After 18 years, this is my final Fox News Sunday. It is the last time, and I say this with real sadness, we will meet like this. It's been a great ride. We've covered five presidential elections, interviewed every president since George H.W. Bush, traveled the world sitting down with France's Emmanuel Macron and Russia's Vladimir Putin. And I've gotten to spend Sunday mornings with you. It may sound corny, but I feel we've built a community here. There's a lot you can do on Sunday mornings. The fact you've chosen to spend this hour with us is something I cherish. But after 18 years, I have decided to leave Fox. I want to try something new to go beyond politics to all the things I'm interested in. I'm ready for a new adventure, and I hope you'll check it out. Wow, Chris, you're leaving a really big show. Fox News Sunday is a really big show. Cable news is kind of on the decline, but still, you know, Fox News Sunday is a very big property. You've been there forever. So whatever you're doing next must be really, really big and really important. Okay, so let's see. I've got it here. Chris is going to the CNN digital streaming platform. So Chris is leaving one of the bigger shows on cable news on the, on the biggest news channel on cable news to go to a smaller news channels, not television station, but digital streaming service, which is nowhere near the size of the biggest streaming services on the right. Now we're, I guess we're probably the biggest one on the right. Depends on how you quantify it. I, huh? Why would you, why would he be doing that? He might have been pushed out. His contract might have been up. I don't know. Or he, he might have genuinely wanted to leave Fox. I never really had a big problem with Chris Wallace until that presidential debate in 2020 where he was so overtly and dishonestly partisan as a Democrat that it, it, it was unbearable. Chris Wallace has always been a Democrat, but he's, he's always had this pretense of at least. Or, and maybe he was really trying to have some kind of neutrality. He was trying to be disinterested, bipartisan, equal opportunity interviewer. Regardless about what Chris Wallace wants or what he's excited about or the inner workings of this negotiation, the bigger takeaway from Chris Wallace leaving Fox News after all these years to go to CNN, to go to the streaming platform even, is that the audiences no longer believe or want the pretense of impartiality in news. When Chris Wallace was hired by Fox News, it was because even the conservatives, Fox News was at least broadly the conservative news channel, but they wanted to have the pretense of, we're going to be totally down the middle. We're going to call it like we see it, fair and balanced. We're not really the conservative. We're going to be totally impartial. You see this in the law with something like originalism, which says we're going to be totally impartial about the left and the right and conservative and leftist, and we're just going to read the text in this very neutral, impartial way. You see this in public schools. We're not going to indoctrinate people. We're just going to educate people. We're not going to teach them what to think, just teach them how to think. We're going to be totally neutral. See this in the public square. We're going to be totally neutral between, say, religions or different beliefs. We're going to be totally... And that 
idea of neutrality in public is that's not the old way of doing things. That, that was a really strange phenomenon that existed for part of, you know, the second half of the 20th century, but it's, it's not real. People believe things. There is no neutrality, whether it's on cable news or whether it's in the public square, whether it's in religion, wherever it's anywhere else. If you stand in the middle of the road, you are going to be hit by a truck. Speaking of death, there's been a lot of death talked about in the show today. You will be hit by a truck. So pick a side. I'm Michael Knowles. This is the Michael Knowles Show. I'll see you tomorrow. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Andrew Klavan Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Ben Davies. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Our technical director is Austin Stevens. Supervising producer, Mathis Glover. Production manager, Pavel Vidovsky. Editor and associate producer, Danny D'Amico. Associate producer, Justine Turley. Audio mixer, Mike Coromina. And hair and makeup by Cherokee Hart. Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2021. Today on the Matt Walsh Show, after tornadoes devastated parts of the country on Saturday, the left insists that the disaster could have been prevented through legislation. Is that true? Can we pass laws that will stop tornadoes? We have to deal with that today. Also, major retail chains beg Congress for help in dealing with the surge in crime. I'll explain why they should be basically out of luck. And a Catholic diocese says that it's a sin to try and change your gender. The media is treating this like breaking news, but isn't that what every competent Christian believes? And with Jussie Smollett's conviction, there is a competition to see who can take his place as our nation's chief race hoaxer. One BLM supporting doctor seems to be auditioning for the role. We'll talk about all that and much more today on The Matt Walsh Show.